Hey, you. Yeah, you. You, come here. I want to show you. This is what happened last time on the Incorrigible Party. Spending some extra time in the city, Shaft reveals to Mia and Shakara that he has Samuel's cipher, and that it can be returned to him under the guise of being found on the doppelgangers from the Tickly Servant. Returning to the Paladin camp, the party learns that a section of the city is being evacuated before the tower is activated as a means of keeping the Niyogi at bay. Now with the cipher in hand, Samuel locates the gauntlets and sends the party into the mountains to retrieve them. And over here? Eh? The adventure continues. Okay, so let's go check out Chum quickly. And then, uh, Falzern, I mean, I can ride with you on the broom, and, and you guys can take, uh... Buttercup. Take Buttercup, right? Yes. We, can, we should be able to get there in, hell, I don't know, an hour or two uh, at a fast pace, so... I say we go directly there. Let's not, not uh, screw around. Yeah, that sounds good. How far is the Rising 4 from where we are right now? Would it make sense to summon Buttercup now and ride her to the ship? and then into the mountains, or wait till we got there? It'll take you 20 minutes to get to the edge of the camp, uh, which which is the front line. Like, you know, you're walking you're walking a mile. Okay. Yeah, just go ahead and do it now. It, it takes you... Gives me... I just need a few minutes. And I will go off to the side and summon Buttercup. Okay, so that takes you 10 minutes, right? Correct. Falzer, did you want to identify something in the same time? Um, yeah, I suppose that would that would make sense to do it while she's doing that. I would like to identify this cube and see what I can learn about it um, before I make a decision about what I'm going to do with it, attuning or not. Quick ten minutes by, and Buttercup magically appears. Did we talk about uh, if Buttercup had changed appearance at all? We did, and I believe you said her eyes were blue, and maybe her, um, what's the horse rigging, the, the, the stuff that they wear? Saddle? No, not the saddle. The stuff on their head and all the, the straps mane? and stuff. Yes, her mane that she wears. Well, I you said you were putting your hand above your head. Yeah, the, like the what hair used to look leather like Leather straps and stuff. <laughs> look, I'm not an ornithologist, okay? <laughs> so it's a butter, Buttercup's bridle and uh, mohawk mane have now... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Are now brave. Color coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Buttercup appears and falls in. You successfully identify the cube. Okay, lay it on me. It's difficult to explain the function of the cube without the additional knowledge of exactly how the blue light would affect a creature. So you kind of get both of that kind of as part of it, I guess, because you could you could think of um, you could think of the cubes as being almost functioning as like your anti-magic device in relation specifically to the, the effects of the blue light. So essentially, I mean, you, you've all heard accounts um, many times, and in addition to that, you, you've seen how it affects vegetation uh, as well, and it just it just drains everything of, of like life force. So now mechanically how that works out is as you are exposed to this blue light, you will just suffer levels of exhaustion until eventually it will kill you. So the the cubes do uh, require attunement. They just simply need to be on, on your person. 
and it, it's going to pro provide protection to the wielder from the, the draining effects of what you have also learned are the eyes of Endar. Uh, once, when applied, however, they're used within the towers. So upon entering the blue light, and at every hour of exposure, you, you have to make a constitution saving throw to avoid a level of exhaustion. So with the cube, the first pass you make, you automatically succeed. Then uh, an hour would pass, you would gain advantage on the next save at a lower DC than what would be normal. A third, the uh, second hour, so the third save, you would make at a normal roll, a normal constitution save at a lower DC. And then after that, it needs to be recharged at dawn essentially for it to, to function again. So at that point, you will be making your constitution saving throws at the proper uh, difficulty check to avoid levels of exhaustion. Okay. And for a reminder on the levels of exhaustion for all of you, level one exhaustion will give you disadvantage, disadvantage on ability checks. Level two, your speed is halved. At level three, disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. So you can see extended amounts of time within the blue light will eventually be giving you disadvantage on the saves to continue to, to fend off and negate the effects of the light itself. So maybe the first two levels, not so bad, but once you get to level three of exhaustion, it could turn very poorly. If the cubes kind of work like his anti-magic field, because he just pull out his anti-magic field and pop it open and stand in that, in the, the gray haze of the, the anti-magic, and then like carry it and walk in the haze as we get out of the blue light. You can definitely try. Put it on a stick and hold Such it up above us. Such a diplomatic so. DM answer. <laughs> yeah, the only concern I have with that is that I have magic items that would be rendered inact. Like my bag of holding, for example. Oh. What happens to your bag of holding? When well, I got an idea. Space? Let's get out of the blue light. Well, I'm just, I was just saying as a last resort. It's a, it's a yeah, good yeah. thought, though. Yeah, for sure. Just hold your bag outside of the field. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really long stick for the bag of holding. <laughs> I'm not attuning to anything, and I think we should have plenty of time. We have six hours to get out, yeah. and it only takes a couple hours to get there. So unless something really bad happens. Cue Leland's <laughs> response. <laughs> I was looking at him when I said it. Falsey could lose his cap of casting. It's only, it's plus one to. Are you going to attune right now? We, we're So like, moving. that's not a crazy loss? That's the question. Do we take an hour? I don't take an well, hour. You can I'm can you attune while moving or no? No. No. Oh, okay. Okay, well, maybe we just get there and then decide once we get there. I would let you do that, like, if you were, like, in the back of a wagon or something, but in this case, no. We have four and a half hours to decide. I mean, I don't want to wait till very last minute. That's why I said four and a half, not five. I see. <laughs> Give us a half hour play there. Okay, so we're riding to the Rising Four. Yes. Giddy up. Come on, Falsrand. I slap him on the back. Don't lower back. Giddy up, me shaft. <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> it's inappropriate, and Denny doesn't appreciate it either. Okay, so Falzerin and Shaft make off, speeding toward Grimby's location. And what's Buttercup speed? Speed. Sixty. Okay, so Buttercup actually moves a little bit uh, faster than than Denny flies. So we speed toward uh, Grimby's location. 
Well, la dee da. All right. Uh, I mean, you're there within ten minutes now on your new modes of transport, and you you get to where basically you had went into like the triage tents and had had been given the potions after the fight at the front line, and near where the the uh, oaken bolters and the trebuchets, etc., were set up. Uh, a little past that, you see the rising four has landed and is you know the equivalent of having docked. Air docked, like in the air. No, it is like sitting on its legs, uh, the landing gear down on the. Does it have like the gangplank down to the ground? Yes, yes. The uh, the like the the door to like the cargo hold uh, is is open. And uh, yeah, there's there's still a number of, of paladins kind of milling about. It doesn't look like. I mean, there's nothing. There's no, no no real activity as far. Obviously, there's nothing to unload or or load anymore. But yeah, you do see, you know, and you recognize some of the paladins that you fought with as, as like the Rising Four crew, um, kind of around around the ship on on the ground. But uh, Grimby and the rest are not outside of the ship, at least from what you can see. Would Buttercup with us on top fit into the door? Yeah, you could you could ride Buttercup right into the cargo hold. Yes, uh, getting her up to the top deck though would be a different story. I'll ride her into the cargo hole just so that she's inside the ship just in case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will too, like staying on the horse longer than I should, just making it awkward. <laughs> and I'll jump down as soon as we're inside the ship and I'll look around and I won't see my people. So I will go to the top of the ship. Bron, Bron. And uh, yeah, so as you, well, okay, falls are in a shaft. What are you, are you flying into the hold as well? I'm on for the ride. I'm just holding on to falls so. Yeah, I think if Falzarin kind of sees Buttercup and Chikara and Mia ahead of them, he will follow into the hold the same way that way that they went. Uh, as as Mia and Shakara, you you get off Buttercup. Uh, Reginald and Leasha are there, and they meet with Mia, and you know they, they each offer you a hand uh, off of, off the horse, and you know give you give you greetings. As if I need a hand off. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, have you seen my brother Bron? And they will direct you to the top top deck. Thanks. I'll head that way. I'll jump off and follow. You do find Grimby, Hulsa, an awake Dreg, and Bron at the top deck. Jerry Darcy is also nearby. And it does look like uh, the repairs on the weapon itself, which you had seen fired, is clearly done. The, the five uh, Tinderman's uh, toy soldiers stand around it, hooked up into it, uh, like the first time you had seen it before all of the attack uh, on the on the camp. Drag! Drag, you're awake! Oh, thank goodness. And he looks he looks exhausted. He, he mechanically, he has two levels of exhaustion. Uh, but he is awake, and He's kind of got, you know, an arm around Hulsa. She's she's kind of keeping him up. Shakara, you're. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're safe. And I you. And I'll run to him and give him a hug. And Hulsa. They'll both. Yeah, they'll both embrace you as well. I'm safe too. If you were concerned. (laughs) And Bron will will run uh, run to Mia. Uh, Grimby, of course, also comes over to Shakara. And I'll engulf him in the hug as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the the Brightwoods don't really hug, but they like fist pound. You <laughs> <laughs> <He> staff hammers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are all safe. I uh, it, uh, was a bit dicey up there at the front line. We just came to 
make sure you were okay. And Samuel would like for you to split and join his different factions, or he gave the option for you to stay together, and I, for one, would feel better if you all stayed together. But again, if if you choose to use your your skills, Braun, and, and, and be with the healers, I understand that. I, I, I mean, I believe the crew could also use a healer. It's true. Hi, you're all welcome, uh, welcome aboard me ship, and as part of me crew. That is good to hear. We, and I'll look at the other three, are off to the mountains. We must find the gauntlets. We do not know how long it'll take or when we'll be back. If you haven't heard, we're racing against the blue light. I, uh, we'll all be moving out soon. Be careful in there, that's infested. Uh, we, we tracked them as far as we could into, into the forest, uh, of the, of the mountains there. Lost them. They didn't come out of it. What did you see? Just, uh, the retreating force, uh, into the trees there, uh, we continued sailing until, uh, they started to thin out as, uh, the elevation... And the snow kind of set in there. Uh, nothing. Nothing on that side. Neo- Neogi, Underhawks, Upperhawks, uh, Giants. Aye, all of them. We're going to try to ride some Umberhawks. Uh, yeah, oh. that is uh, Mia's desire, apparently. All right, time's wasting. I jump on the back of Denny. Come on, Falzer, and I tap on the broomstick. Uh, I'll reach out for my group. Be safe. I uh, will meet up with you again. As soon as possible, and I'll cut off a lock of my hair and hold it for a moment till it turns to stone and hand it to Hulsa. Keep this safe. Okay, yep, she takes it. Writes out, uh, scrawls out a little note of herself. Be safe. One last hug and I will run down the stairs to Buttercup. Okay, so we're gonna make it, we're making a straight shot. The idea is to get to the abandoned orc settlement, grab the gauntlets, get out of there well before the tower is powered up. Yes. That's the plan. Hoping to. Yep. Yep. Nothing will go wrong with this plan. Of course not. Uh, so judging mm-hmm. by the topographical map that Samuel gave you, it does it seem that you have about four miles to travel. And now with on Denny and Buttercup, uh, you have have the time that it would normally have taken you about two. It's going to take you more like one now. Can uh, we take Denny up to uh, you know, 40, 50 feet up and sort of get a better view of where we're headed and maybe if we see any movement or anything up at a greater distance. Yeah, yeah, Falzern's willing to uh, willing to urge Denny up a bit higher, see if we can see anything. So Falzern also will bid farewell and say, tell everyone to take care and be safe. And then hop on the back of Denny with Shaft and lift off. Okay, so you're gonna get this eagle-eyed kind of view while Shakar and Mia are, are down on on the ground. So so leaving uh, leaving it's a, a little cumbersome getting uh, Buttercup past the series of trenches. I'm assuming you don't want to take her through the trenches to to you know getting a horse out of it by the time you hit the end of it would be yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah. the trenches are only. In some areas, they're they're only five feet wide, and in most others, they're ten. But you can find those narrow, those more narrow sections, and Buttercup can like v- v- jump over them, right, um, and get her 
past these trenches. So now you're on the other side. That takes you a little little longer than it normally would have, obviously, if you were just walking straight there, um, unencumbered. But it's very very easy now that you're you're uh, where the the for, the Niyogi force essentially had had come in, right? And to get to where you need to go, you're essentially following the the tracks that this huge force had made, and they're very clearly still stamped out and trampled in, into the dirt. And you have, if you recall, I had described uh, basically where the 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 edge of the camp two bit like the tree line is like another mile. So in, in another quick 10 minutes of you now moving at the full speed, uh, unless you would like to move faster than a normal pace on your mounts, which you obviously can do. Um, well, I think Falsey's going to try and just keep pace with uh, whatever pace Shakara and me are making on Buttercup. And I think we'll go at normal pace just so we don't push ourselves right now and there's not really a need to. Yeah, that makes good sense. Does your phantom horse take any kind of exhaustion? She is not a phantom horse. She is a war horse. Okay. I believe that's smart to not push yourself yet until you until you need to. Shaft knows that the the this kind of wooded area it it essentially it ex- extends in kind of this narrow band uh, for a number of miles around the mountains, uh, only stretching up the mountainside about six or seven hundred feet though before the climate uh, quite quickly turns frigid and snowy. Magically? No, just naturally, not magically. Okay. I mean, unless, you know, the, the nature's <laughs> nature's wonders can be very magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Christmas, really. <laughs> so are you going to follow the tracks then? Because, um, again, it's heading in the general direction. You, I mean, if you wanted to try to avoid wherever they ended up in the forest... You could veer off from it, uh, but that's going to be up to you. Uh, do I think it's going to take a significant amount of time to circle navigate these tracks? Uh, that's that's going to depend on just how far you want to circumnavigate them. Uh, but you could put you could add twenty minutes to an, uh, that extra hour that you're saving, depending on how far you wanted to skirt the direction that these tracks are leading. So I'm going to yell out, uh, "Take it down a little bit, Falzerand." Hey, Okay. there's a lot of tracks up here. We can take an extra 20 minutes and try to stay away from all this, all the, the Neogi and all that stuff. We have time. Okay, show us which way to go. I point over in the direction I think they sh- we should uh, go to try to avoid any conflict. Yeah, Shaft, just uh, I think you know this terrain best of any of us. You you tell me which way to lead Denny and we'll we'll stay not too far from... Buttercup, and they can follow us. You got it. Okay, so rather than a northwest, northwesterly direction in which the the uh, retreating uh, force had seemed to take, you're going to kind of veer more like direct north, almost like due north. And you enter, you enter into the woods, and we're, you know we're getting into the evening already, right? So the sun is is has already started to set, and inside of the the forest, like here at the the base of the mountain, essentially. It's incredibly thick. Uh, so, if you were with, a, uh, if you were not with a ranger that specializes in this type of terrain, I would say that the the forest itself would even slow down like a mount, like Buttercup, uh, and, and even kind of weaving in between them on Denny, a little challenging. But mechanically, it's not going to slow you down because of uh, Shaft's preferred terrain, favorite terrain, whatever it's called. 
but of course, uh, once you're under the foliage, the you know the the available sunlight, the dimmed, so you're essentially relying on your dark vision in here. Maybe more of a, a low light with a bit of breaks in, in some of the the canopy, right? Uh, the last vestiges of, of sunlight of the day kind of breaking in, and. Everyone can make me a perception check here as we're going. Are we? We're not trying. We're obviously not trying to be stealthy or anything. Uh, I think we're going for How speed. How do you make a horse point. stealthy? <laughs> With pass without trace, apparently. <laughs> uh, Shakar got an eighteen. Fourteen for Shaft. Twenty-two for Mia. Uh, Thirteen for Falzern. On your forked path, you've now taken. You've created the fork this time. You're not following it. You're making it from the fork. Oh, the forked no. path from the direction of the, the <laughs> tracks. Uh, here, where you've gone, it seems like you've you've successfully circumnavigated the direction that the retreating force has taken. As, as there are no visible uh, tracks that match what you saw. Right. I mean, it, there were just so many of them out there that were retreating. It would have been. It would be literally impossible to miss their movement through anywhere, essentially. So you don't see any signs of that movement here. So it does seem like that is successful. Uh, it is in, it is uh, maybe unnaturally quiet here uh, now that you're into the mountainous terrain. But you do get past uh, very quickly the, the forest and the, the trees start to thin out, uh, you know, the spaces in between, and then also kind of the, the size of them starts to, to shrink and then clearly and you know, the, the the edge of this forest now, higher elevations, a little less nutri- nutrients for everything to grow here. They're, they're smaller, and eventually you, you are completely out of the woods, and you, you kind of leave the, the cover of the, the, the thinning vegetation into, you know, the, the bite of the night air paired with a deep layer of snow that, that coats the this mountainside now, fully into kind of winter conditions here. And again, snow that would be deep enough that to impose difficult terrain were you not with Shaft. Okay, I'll, I'll keep on just sort of tugging on Falzrin's robe a little over that way, and then, you know, pull on a little bit on the other side uh, as I'm looking down, trying to get... Now, it, it is dark, you say, at this point, right? Yes. Okay, so we'll, we'll go down a little bit closer to the ground and make sure, you know, looking around to see if there's any... Um, I'll be looking for any kind of clear path. Do I have an idea about how close we are? At this point? Yeah, at this point, you're halfway there. Okay. Uh, also at this point, now that we are officially into the mountain, uh, and I think it be, would be fitting to get this roll from John, but could you roll me on the new and improved mountain weather table, please? <gasps> oh, oh. Wow. Boy. I got to use oh, a die for boy. that. <laughs> I got to use a, really. a real die. Are we die. on a 10 uh, It's still a uh, D- D10, yeah. That's never going to change. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty excited. Do I get A pluses? <laughs> well, you don't want pluses on this one, believe me. <laughs> three. A three. Okay, so you've stepped out into a very calm night. What's what's looking to be a clear night. Uh, nothing in the sky, no clouds, just the stars above you now as the sun has finished its set. Chilly, though. Um, I'm assuming that before we left, you had all donned your winter gear as well as part of the preparations, which is what you bought it for. Mm-hmm. So wearing that, you're not going to suffer any uh, any ailments uh, or, or negative conditions from the cold itself because you've prepared for it. But it does seem like it's a, it's a straight shot. So the 
you can see basically the difference in, in elevation or, or using the topographical map, uh, the the farther apart the lines on it, right? For those unfamiliar with a topographical map, it's essentially a series of squiggles <laughs> close together and far apart in some areas, right? That's it, denoting <laughs> denoting elevation. So the the further apart two two adjacent lines are, that's going to determine the the slope of it, right? So the further apart, the less steep it is to travel. And you see currently on your on your path, uh, it, it's not very steep at all. And again, this this particular peak you are traveling to is unnamed and quite close to the base of the mountains. So it's it's essentially a, a straight shot. And, and you know, Buttercup seems to be having no trouble. She's just plowing through the the snow, which you know, if you were to hop off Shakarami, it would probably be up to your knees. And you'd eventually get to a point where, where it kind of starts to, to level off. Shakara, you have heightened uh, dark vision, so essentially I will let you know when you are the only, you only you see things. <laughs> okay. But as you've hit this section that has started to level off, and this is uh, about another, you know, 30 minutes or so of trudging through through the snow, all of you in, in the darkness, you, you see these they look like small kind of uh, bluish green lights in, in the distance. They seem to be moving very slowly about. Uh, also, they look like they're in pairs. And after another five or ten minutes of you continuing for, towards them, because it does seem like they're where you're heading to, they they kind of, they disappear. And then you're just left with, with darkness. Yeah, do you know what does work? Shaft, have you seen anything like that before in these mountains? Is this a uh, something that I would be familiar with as some kind of a anomaly of some kind in the mountains, or is it unnatural? Uh, you could roll me a nature check. I would say with advantage. Uh, 13. Since Shakar asked me, should I roll one too? Sure. Oh, crit fail. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so Shaft, I would say you uh, definitely, this is not something that you have witnessed like in an orc settlement as again these these lights are close enough now it's very clear that whatever's happening here is happening in the settlement that you're that you're moving to a settlement that is supposed to be abandoned you say these are blue lights bluish green they have a more uh, kind of turquoisey not clearly distinct from the color the coloring of like the blue light of the towers uh, or anything that or anything that you've witnessed associated with dendar very clearly a different color you said they're in pairs. Are are they like in pairs? Is like close enough together that they could be eyes, or that's a possibility. Big yes. eyes. Okay. Shakara, I have no idea. <laughs> I I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know what those are either, Falzrent. They could be eyes. Uh, I hope Shaft knows what we're getting into. Shaft, go go sneak up ahead and find out. I don't think Shaft and Falzrent. I'm can up hear here us. on a broom. I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Yell louder. <laughs> no, we don't yell. Whisper louder. <laughs> <laughs> Shaft, maybe we should go down to get closer to Shakara and Mia in case we're getting into trouble here. Yeah, it might be sneaky, sneaky time, really. Uh... I'll urge Denny to slowly descend to get closer to Shakara and Mia. Did you guys see that? Yeah, maybe the gauntlets are glowing? How many of these lights are we looking at, you know, a st- how many of these blue lights did we see? At least half a dozen. I think I would have slowed Buttercup down a little bit. Like, not stopped, but slowed down. So we can so get an idea what's creatures. going on. And how far away 
would they be? Like if I got off the horse, or we got off the horse and then we started walking. Are we hundreds of yards away? Or are we? I would say you are less less than five hundred feet now. And again, they they have disappeared now. Chef, do you know what those were? No, I never seen them before. But they're gone now. They almost looked like they could have been eyes, don't you think? Maybe. Very curious. Do you think uh, we should try to sneak up there now and carefully? Or yeah, I think we need to be careful. They could be hostile. Or just misunderstood, Falzern, right? That's true. I will dismount, Buttercup. I'll follow. Take her down, Falzern. So I will uh, I will go down and land with Denny. All right. I will cast Pass Without a Trace. And uh, it snow's really crunchy, but try to walk in my footsteps so, so you don't make as much noise. My feet are twice the size of yours. Well, that, stay on your tippy toes. Uh... <laughs> And I will telepathically tell Buttercup to hang back, but not too far back. I will take a stealth roll from everybody, adding a plus 10 from the pass without a trace. 33 for Shaft. 19 for Shakara. 13 for Falzerin. 20. So everybody is now on foot. Falzerin and Shaft, as you get off Denny and leave Denny bare, basically, like Denny starts, looks like he starts to shiver and his straw like starts to, to shake and, and shiver in the cold. Denny, Denny, come on, come on, get get back in the bag. Okay, Denny will, will very quickly and enthusiastically. N- normally, Denny does not like to get in the bag. <laughs> Nobody puts Denny in the corner, <laughs> but Denny will hop right into the bag. <laughs> so you are approaching the su- southern edge of the settlement. <laughs> I'm not aware of that direction. Oh, sorry, okay, you're approaching oh, the southern edge of the settlement. Well, there we go. There we go. Now I understand. And now to the uh, extent of your dark vision, she'll explain uh, what Sh- Shakar you see like twice as far in- into this camp, right? Essentially, what you all can see immediately in front of you is a number of uh, snow-topped tents that still stand, uh, and and everything around you again is just incredibly quiet, and, and like everything just seems still. The, the years have worn these tents; they've worn them thin and, and degraded them, the the elements. Uh, a few of them are just in complete tatters. Also, it looks like there's signs of like claws and teeth having torn through sections of some of them. And in addition to to the tents, there just look like there. Uh, Shakar can can see there just looks like there's seemingly random like piles of rocks and like stone debris kind of scattered around. But without uh, moving further in, that's the extent that you can make out in 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 the darkness. And no, uh, no signs of, of the lights that you saw from from far off. Okay, uh, I assume we'll keep walking. Another thirty or sixty feet in, and Shakara, explaining how dark vision works is is strange, right? Obviously, we all know everything is like grayscale, right? So you see no colors. But Shakara, you make out near the middle of of the camp here. And it looks like it's the middle of the camp because you kind of see there's this huge, looks like a huge like fire pit and like almost like this open hearth, coated covered in snow. You can see kind of uh, burn marks like charred marks on the inside of the stone itself. But just at the edge of what you can see, you see an umber hulk, two niyogi, and an orc standing next to it. They do not seem to have noticed you. Chef, stop. What? What'd you say? Stop. 
What do you see? Ahead. To the left. Niyogi, Umberhawk, Orc. A lot of them? Two Niyogi, one Orc. I click my circle into the wise. And then I realize it puts out a light and I put my hand over it. <laughs> um, sneaky, oh, crap. sneaky? Do we see the gauntlets anywhere? No, you don't see any any sign of of the gauntlets. How close would we estimate we would be to where the gauntlets would be on the map? Uh, well, the map isn't uh, quite that detailed, but you do know that you're you're in the settlement in which the gauntlets are supposed to be, according to the amulet. Do you think these pile of rocks is them like looking for them? It could be. Let's see if we can get a little closer. See what they're doing. Maybe we can ride the Umber Hulk. What is your obsession with this? You have a horse. I want something to ride. This is not a, a, a wise thing for you to be pursuing me. I have a scroll of tongue. Okay. It's dangerous. Let me see if I can get up there. You guys stay here. And I'm going to try to sneak up over uh, by some of these older tents and, and keep very low. I assume the, the height of the snow is, you know, probably chest height to me, I would assume, or something to that effect. So am I, do I have to jump? Like a, <laughs> like a, like a, like a rabbit hopping through the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it difficult for, uh, for me to walk through this? Well, it's, it's definitely not going to be because, uh, of your ranger skills, but actually as you have now stepped into the, 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 the village proper, I guess you'd say, it's actually clear now there, there are many tracks around here and a lot of the snow does look like it's been packed down from creatures walking over it. So there's clearly been activity through here recently. I can sort of take my time, find places where I can step that's not going to make any noise and uh, try to work my way up as, uh, as close as I can to maybe a, the closest set of tents or something that uh, will give me some cover that uh, is close enough where I can see what they're doing is the idea. So where on, on the map there would you put me? Well, you you only have a dark vision range of 60 feet, right? Yes. Okay, roll me a stealth. That's a 21. You creep by more piles of rocks and uh, kind of amidst some tatters of tents, and it does seem closer to the center uh, of, of this settlement. The the tents are look like they're in, in better condition, so you can kind of saddle up next to a tent that looks pretty much like, you know, it's obviously still standing. It's, Compared to some, how some of the other ones look, it looks like it's it's fairing pretty well in the weather, and you get a good view of of the Umber Hulk, the Neogi, and the Orc, and it seems like they're just standing there. Nobody's moving or digging or anything. No, in fact, peering a little closer, it looks like one of the Umber Hulks is missing an arm. I don't want to ride that. And they're not uh, <laughs> they're not moving like. Are at all like the frozen still kind of kind of look they look like they are perfectly still i'm gonna try to go another 30 feet closer nice and slow and you know sort of crouch down and see if i can as i get closer if anything changes any movement or anything that looks puts me about 15 feet away from the umber hawk okay give me give me another uh, stealth here that's a 22 oh you're so close to him <laughs> you leave the cover of the tent, and there's immediately to your left about 15 feet, kind of a, a, of space between. And there's another tent on your left, and you kind of 
saddle up next to it. And peering around the corner here, to your, to your immediate left now, about 40 feet away, you see two more orcs outside of uh, another a circular tent. And right up here on the Umber Hulk and the, the Neogi now, it looks like the Umber Hulk, which you're closest to, 10 feet away from, it looks like this Umber Hulk is made of stone. Mm-hmm. Can I get a clear picture of the other, like the other orc, and then there's two other Neogi there. Do they look like they're stone also, or just not moving? The closest, uh, the Neogi to your your left, about five feet from the Umber Hulk, also looks to be petrified, stone. I'm going to go ahead and move up next to the Umber Hulk and use him for for, sort of cover. The Neogi now to your right, uh, it looks like it too is missing limbs. Like they've just been snapped off of this statue. Do I see anything like the ground has been cleared away or any any other uh, things that's happened in the area that draws my attention? You can make me a perception. 13. Essentially all that you make out in addition to these petrified creatures uh, are, are kind of a series of, of tracks. You actually, like, you don't see the tracks of the creatures. Like, there's no, you don't make, you can't make out any Neogi tracks or Umberhog tracks. It looks like if they were there at one point, I mean, they must have been considering these creatures are here, but like they've been trampled over since. And, and really what you see immediately to your right, a tenth that's about 20 feet from you, there looks like there's a set of tracks that lead directly to this tent. They actually look quite similar to the Bahir tracks that you had found and, and chased in, in the tunnel. Different, uh, but kind of in the same, like, multiple-toed, like, clawed feet. I will go to the tent, see if I can look in, follow the track back. Okay, roll me, roll me another stealth here. Uh, 22 again. Another one of these tents that looks to be mostly intact, but, you know, you, the the flaps of it, they just hang loose and kind of hang, you know, a tiny little opening here that you can you can peer into. And as you get close, you you can hear like a soft breathing. And peering inside, you look like you see a, a, a medium size that it looks like it's about four or five feet long from tail to toe, from tail to head, uh, a six-legged lizard-like creature. And it does look like it's asleep. Uh, have I seen a creature like this before in the mountains? Is it is it native to this area? Uh, roll me, uh, roll me nature. Eighteen. You know that this creature is a basilisk, and it is not specifically native to the mountains, but rather would reside like within caves and in in the underdark. So it it actually seems strange that they are here in the in the encampment itself, and clearly they've made a home here, as you can see inside of it too, like. It looks like it's 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 made a bit of a, a, a nest here in the tent. You know, it's like pulled together, you know, remains of, of, of totally destroyed tents. Um, there's an, a, a pile. You can see a, a number of uh, stone limbs from Neogi here, like kind of next to it, you know, in a little like food pile almost. <laughs> so it seems strange that they're here. So what do I know of a basilisk? What would I, what would I know their abilities or weaknesses or anything? You know for sure that they're responsible for the petrification of these creatures. And it's sleeping now, so I'm going to... Uh, do I see any other tracks like where this basilisk has left 
the tent and went in different directions? Uh, you definitely see like a number of tracks. They looks like there are either this basculus is moving around a lot around the encampment, or there are more than one of these creatures here. Gotcha. All right. So I think what I'm going to do is sort of head back towards everyone else. But as I go, I'm going to start checking in these tents as I walk along um, to see if there's more of these things, uh, hopefully sleeping. So I'm going to check out the nearest tent. Great. Now, you'll be making a cell check at every one of these tents to do so. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Can't get worse than what he already rolled. Mm, don't say that. So the first one would be a 25. You peer into this tent and it looks like it is empty. I'm going to head sort of down towards the party closer. Uh, there's another tent a little bit more to the, I guess would be on the east side of this. And just peer into that one. Uh, it'd be a 32. This one also appears to be empty. All right. And then I'll take the sort of the shortest route back to the party. There's another large tent that I was using prior to sort of hide behind. And I'll take a look in there. That's a 36. Another empty tent. So then I'll make my way back to the party, sort of very quietly moving forward. And then as I see him, get up closer to him sort of give them the gather around, you know, hand signal. There's a, there's a basilisk. I sort of describe what a basilisk is and what, you know, turns people to stone. Uh, while he was out gallivanting around, I want to uh, summon Sparky. He'll just be sitting on my shoulder. Okay, you don't want to send him anywhere or to do anything immediately? Not yet, no. Okay. I only saw one, but they're pretty nasty things. They, they're usually underground, and this one uh, is up in that tent, and I sort of point in the direction. It's behind this one. Uh, everything else seems to be turned to stone already, but we got to be quiet. Did you see the gauntlets? No. It doesn't look like anybody's been doing anything here. These tents here, nothing in them. So follow me, and we'll sort of work our way up. See if there's anything on the northern side of the camp. Are the gauntlets supposed to, like, be glowing or anything? I don't know. It just said they were going to, you know, come up from the ground, I think. That's what Samuel said. What are all these piles of rocks and... I don't know. Stoned... All right. These stoned animals and whatever, Neogi, have been here a while, it looks like. Well, follow me. Okay. And then I'm going to head... Actually, I'll head up back where the, the tents I just passed that I know are safe and work my way all the way up to uh, the farthest one, the north that I checked. Okay, and while we're walking up that way, I'm going to uh, send Sparky back to check the tents that we're passing by that are west of us. All right, so, okay, yeah, as Shaft has pointed out the ones that he's checked, so Sparky knows which ones to go into. All of you, minus Sparky, can make me a stealth as you're following Shaft northward into around the edge of this camp. Adjusted 20 for Falzern. 17 for Shakara. 16. And Sparky, uh, you're going to basically start at the... From your from where you had kind of split off as Sparky, the leftmost and then move northward? Correct. Okay. Uh, so Sparky can also roll me a stealth as he's kind of flitting around these tents. Not benefiting from the pass of trace. <laughs> uh, Sparky got a 21. GG Sparky. Sparky confirms that this is an empty tent. Okay, I'll tell him to move to the next tent. 
on the to the west northwest of where it was. Okay, yeah, it could make roll me another stealth. Is it bad that Sparky has a better stealth than me? No, I guess that makes sense. Uh, he got an eighteen. Can confirm that this is another empty tent. Assume he's checking. There's one immediately adjacent to this one. It looks like they're kind of butt right up next to each other, uh, but clearly different different tents. Yes, he'll definitely check that one too. Okay, give me another another check. That's a twelve. So uh, far enough away here. Essentially, now you the party and Sparky has moved to opposite sides of the tent or opposite sides of the settlement. So nobody can see him, right? It's uh, even outside of Shakara's dark vision. Now, Shakara, you're just letting him do his thing, right? Yes. I expect he would raise a ruckus, or he would fly right back to me if he finds something. We don't need a No ruckus. ruckus. No ruckus raising. He'll just fly straight back to me if he sees something. All right. What's the what's the party doing? Um, I'm going to head up to this circular tent that I have not looked at. I sort of hold my hand up, like telling them to sort of hang back. Um, but I'll move up to the to look inside. I'll still stay within the 30 feet of the rest of the party as I check this one. That'd be a 37. Okay, another empty tent. Yeah, I think I would just kind of be following shafts with them so that we're together, but he's obviously still here, so. Yeah, I sort of, when I look inside and I sort of give him a hand signal like, no basilisk, you know, thumbs up. Yeah, just to be in range to keep in touch otherwise. Yeah, yeah. and then sort of move up. So I'm going to stay about 15 feet ahead of everybody else and start working my way up to the northern side here where the next tent is. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> Instead of a chase, it's like a, it's like a stealth. If, if you are, if you're, if you're keeping the whole party within the 30 feet for the pass of the trace, you are all going to have to make the stealths as you're approaching these tents. But if the party wants to stay put where they are right now, Shaft can go off and do kind of the, the ones in the immediate vicinity, then it would just be Shaft. I think Falzern would want to hang back beside yeah. a tent that he knows is safe and Agreed. empty. Shaft, go ahead and then come back when we're ready to move on. Okay. I'll go up to the next one and give it a check. I don't know if I'm happy or sad when I don't find a basilisk. It's like, ah. Uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm definitely happy when you don't find them. <laughs> we want the gauntlet. Yes. <laughs> a basilisk wearing a gauntlet. <laughs> He's going to be sleeping on a gauntlet. Looks like a buckler, but we call it a gauntlet. <laughs> exactly. In fact, every exactly. piece of armor in Aspara is actually a buckler. <laughs> it's a buckler. <laughs> Go back and listen to episode one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a 34. Okay. <laughs> so the party, you see Shaft when he, when he leaves, right? And it's the same thing that happens when you're traveling, probably to a bit of a lesser extent just because... Shaft is inherently more stealthy, but like when he moves away and he steps, like not even the crunch of snow makes a sound, right? As he's moving away. And peering into this tent, you do find another nest and another basilisk inside. Similar sized? Same size, yep. All right. So from where I'm looking here, I, I guess I do I feel like there's a lot more camp to the north, or I can only see one other. The, sort of the edge of another tent with my let me see if I can with my dark vision I'm going to move around to the other side of this tent being really quiet and sort of see if I can you know get about 10 or 15 feet on the other side of this tent to see if I can see anything else further north you can see there is another tent immediately north uh, what would be west you can make out a number another number of, of petrified 
creatures. I mean, they're they're standing incredibly still. Does look like another uh, two orcs, two Neogi, and another Umber Hulk. They too look like they're missing pieces. And you said the other ones that I saw, you, I didn't see any uh, tracks or anything from them coming up. Like either the the snow fell and covered these tracks, and they've been here a while. Is there snow on top of like their shoulders and and things to let me believe that these things have been turned to stone some time ago? Uh, that's a good question. Yes. So the the tracks that they would have made have clearly since being made been trampled or yes a snowfall has, has fell upon them and some of the the ones that look like they're fully intact like they haven't been kind of munched on or, or snapped off they do have like piles of snow like on their shoulders and the tops of their heads then i'm going to proceed up to this most northern tent and take a look in i'd say 38 got a crit wow another another empty tent the rest of the party now shaft has moved kind of out of sight though just the way the tents are kind of arranged and where where you all are uh though you you all see to to the west more of those bluish green lights the pairs of them in the darkness okay now they're pairs guys they're for sure eyes see those and shakara uh you can actually make out three of these basilisks outside of the furthest tent within your dark vision. Don't move. There are three of them. Just there. They see us? Falzer and Mia, you just see three pairs of those lights, those eyes. I will try and hide behind the tent that we're standing next to. Get over here. Follow suit, yep. Yeah, I'll follow her lead. Start shoveling snow onto Falzer <laughs> <laughs> Just bury, yeah, bury yourselves in the snow. <laughs> snow angel, quick. Are you, uh, Shikara, are you going to try to keep them in your sight? Or are you literally just, like, take full cover behind this tent? I will peek out around so I can see where they are, where they are, and make sure they're not coming towards us. So it, it looks like from what you can tell, like, uh, they, they, clearly they've, like, just, looks like they're just woken up. They're, like, a little, not wobbly, but, like, you know, one one kind of stretches down into, like, a, like a cat pose, you know, that's tail up in the air, stretching out its spine as it kind of gives itself a shake. Another one, though, that had come sauntering up to this tent, it has something in its mouth, and it looks like a small dragon. Oh, no. It got Sparky. Oh, no, Shakara. Are you sure? It appears so. As it approaches the other two basilisks, one of one of the pair kind of steps up to it, and grabs a hold of a part of Sparky, and they start like having this tug of war with it, you know, like a like like dogs would, right? They both of them give them their heads a shake, and a stone Sparky just snaps. That's it. That's all we have for you. That's our show. Be sure to follow us on the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all on the website, incorrigibleparty.com. You get all kinds of information there. Incorrigible parties sponsored by Critical Hit Design, you know. And all ambient sounds and music during the episodes are courtesy of TabletopAudio.com. And our intro and outro music was created by Josh Jarvis. You can you can find him at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. Now scram. Happy adventuring.